Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Brother Bateman here this morning. We love him, and he's been dealing with the loss, loss of a family member and, and having to deal with all that. We, we, we love you, Brother Bateman. Good to see you. Amen. I would also encourage you to continue to pray, amen, for Brother Kent and the pastor in the Twin Cities that we know is uh, dealing with that accident, but also uh, be praying for Brother and Sister Barkus. They also pastor. Uh, in St. Paul area, they had a house fire two nights ago, and looks like they may have lost the majority of their their home, or at least a lot of it. And uh, so, pray for them as God would just bless them and help them. Amen. 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 Acts nineteen. Follow along with me. We're going to start with verse one, and uh, we'll read several verses. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto then what were ye baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. And then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people, that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. How many are thankful that scripture's in there? Amen. Amen. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. How many are glad that that scripture's in there? And all the men were about 12. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when diverse were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. And this continued by the space for two years, so that all that which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. How many, are, how many think that's pretty awesome? That all that which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. And then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Siva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on all of them. The name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. 
And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. I want to talk to us today about the necessity of believing and receiving. The necessity of believing and receiving. Amen. One more time, turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm so glad that you're here. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to take a somewhat simple approach this morning of walking through what we just read together. It's 20 of the most powerful, inspirational, and somewhat crazy scriptures that you'll find in the New Testament. There's so much going on here, but it's compacted in scripture like a, a power punch to the heart when you read it. It's God is attempting to grab and hold our attention and truly, truly impact us at a deep level and at a faith level. The Apostle Paul is traveling and he is telling everyone about Jesus. He is ministering everywhere he goes, anointed of the Lord in a powerful way. He's bold and he's ready to declare and he's ready to speak into every situation that he finds himself in. He is incredibly successful at times with lives being changed and cities being turned upside down, so to speak, and, and great relief and deliverance coming into people's lives. Now, of course, this is the same Paul, the once terrorist Paul. This is the same guy who once boldly declared war on the church. We just read about Paul in Acts 19, but all you have to do is go back to Acts 8 in Jerusalem where Stephen, a disciple of Christ and a preacher of the gospel, and is doing exactly what God tells him to do. He's preaching and discipling people and, and working and building a church in Jerusalem, but he gets some people upset with him, very upset with him. And in Acts 7 and 58, it says they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. They stoned Stephen and the witnesses laid down their clothes clothes, their coats, their outer garment at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. Now Paul's name was Saul before he has an encounter with the Lord and this is the same Paul, the same ministering missionary, the same anointed man of God who is traveling around changing the world. This is him just in chapter 7 and his name is still Saul and he is a part of this murder of Stephen. He holds their coats as they stone this man of God, Stephen, to death. And this doesn't convict Saul. You might think, well, that was his moment. That was, his, that was when he really bottomed out, right? That was when he hit rock bottom. That must have been the moment that shook him awake. No, it doesn't convict Saul. It actually motivates his terroristic behavior. In Acts 8, just a few verses later, we read, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which is at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the region, Judea and Samaria, except the apostles and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. But as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committing them to prison. 
He was busting down doors and going into Christian homes where they were having church services and he was, he was tying people up and carrying them off to prison because he so despised the Christian church in Jerusalem. And you say, well, preacher, a man like that needs to be removed by God. He needs to be struck down and delivered into hell. A man like that needs to be beat up a little bit and then cast into eternal fire. God doesn't do that, though. But he does miraculously get his attention and radically change his life. How? Acts chapter 9. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any Christians, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined a light around about him from heaven. And he fell onto the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Why are you doing this? Why are you living this way? Why do you think the way you think and behave the way you behave? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. You know, Saul thought Jesus was just a guy that died. He was supposed to be bones in a grave. And now a voice from heaven is declaring, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks, and he trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what you must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he could no longer see. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. See how he is physically blind, being directed by these men to this place that God has directed him. And God sends him to a man named Ananias. And at this point, Saul is already a believer. Wouldn't you be? I said, at this point, he's already a believer. The man is blind. He was struck down. A great light from heaven shone, and a voice spoke to him. And he communed. He talked with this voice, and it was God. And he says, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus, the one you're fighting against. He's a believer. Oh, hallelujah. He's experienced God enough to believe that God is. He has a life-changing event take place. But God is not done. He's a believer, but God is not done. Acts 9 and 17 through 18. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes, if it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was also baptized. Oh, hallelujah. After his powerful experience that led him to believe, God still says, Saul, you need to be baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. 
I've come to tell somebody in this house today about the necessity of not just believing, but also receiving. I've come to tell somebody about the necessity of not just having a wake-up moment, not just having a shake-me moment, not just having a maybe there is a God moment, but it being followed by activity that is directed by the Holy Ghost, by it being followed by repentance and being baptized in the name of Jesus and being filled with the Spirit of the Almighty God. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, if God's not done, then I'm not done either. If God's not done, I believe. But if he has something more for me to do and receive, then I'm not done either. The name change is subtle, but we read it in Acts 13. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. The important element of this verse is really not the name change. The important element of this verse is that he is filled with the Holy Ghost. That's the difference maker. That's the life changer. That's the thing that takes him from the guy who's trying to shut down the churches to the guy who's trying to start the churches. Oh, hallelujah. Let me just take a quick poll. How many people in here believe people can still change? Come on, somebody. We live in a world that constantly tells people they are what they are and they're always going to be what they've always been. And I don't believe that for a minute because I believe there's a world that's created by God and I'm looking at humanity that was created by God and humanity and sin may take us far from our purpose, but God and mercy can bring us back to our purpose. And I believe that people can radically be transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost. It's important that we recognize that it was more than belief. Belief or faith is the beginning. But after the beginning, after faith, we must find the baptism of water and of the spirit. We find John 3, 1 through 5. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. That's belief. I know that you're a teacher from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. That's belief. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Why? If belief is all that's necessary, you just have to believe, then why does Jesus even keep talking? If it's just about belief, why doesn't Jesus say, well, I'm glad you know who I am. I'm glad that you see that uh, miracles can't happen without God. That's good belief. You're, you're good to go. He doesn't do that. He says, if you can't even see the kingdom of God unless you be born again. And Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Two times after Nicodemus expresses belief, Jesus says you cannot see or enter the kingdom of God without taking the next step. Amen. And people get mad at me when I say it. <laughs> they get mad. No, it's 
it's just belief. All you have to have is faith. That's all it takes. Just say that he is and you're good to go. You get to go to heaven. That's not what Jesus said. Even after a man expressed belief. Even after a religious man expressed belief. A man who knew scripture expressed belief. Jesus says you cannot see the kingdom. You cannot enter the kingdom unless you be born again of the water and of the spirit. So this miraculously transformed terrorist named Saul, now named Paul, is now ministering in Acts chapter 19. And we read it. And this man who writes to us and says things like Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul wrote to the Romans, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Where did that transformation come from? Faith, baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. That's where his transformation came from. His transformation did not come from being struck down on the road to Damascus. That was his wake-up call. How many know there's a difference between the wake-up call and actually getting out of bed? Hey, man. I hate traveling without my wife, and any time I have to travel with my wife and I have to be in a hotel room, I'll, I'll still try, if they still have the wake-up call feature, I'll do the wake-up call, and then I'll set the alarm on the thing, and then I'll set the alarm on my phone, and then I'll set another alarm on my phone. And then I'll call my wife and say, hey, if you're up, call me and make sure I'm awake. (laughs) You know why? Because I don't have much faith in those devices and whoever does that wake-up call and my natural ability to just spring out of bed. I don't have much faith in it. I have a little bit of faith in it. But I don't have enough faith to trust my whole day to it. There's a difference between when God gives us a wake-up call and when we actually get up and start to do something about our salvation. And I believe we're living in a day and an hour where we got another wake-up call happening across our world. I believe the alarm is sounding, the trumpets are blowing, God is declaring from heaven, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. But I've come to deliver a word from the Lord today. The wake-up call is not the end. The wake-up call is just to get you awake and get your mind right so you can go to the Word and find out if I want to get into the kingdom of heaven, I must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be transformed, he says, by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He was transformed. I get very excited about people who come to God who, were, who once went all in for the world. I love people like that. They come to the church and they think, oh man, I, I'm, I'm not going to be accepted here. The crazy things I've done, the, oh, when they hear about my sin, they hear about that. And we're all like... Yeah. 
And it's not, just, it's not just because we have another miraculous testimony of what God can do, but I personally get excited about people who went all in on sin because a lot of times they come into the church and they go all in on God. They say, I lived out for sin. Wait till you see what I'm going to do for God. I gave everything I had to sin, but wait till you see what I'm going to do for the Lord God who brought me out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He done for me what no one else can do. I'm about to do some great things. Oh, hallelujah. You know, here he is, this Paul that tells us these things. Here he is in Ephesus. He comes in contact with some new people he's never met before. In Acts 19, and it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? <laughs> that was his, howdy, how are you doing? Now, the Bible calls them disciples. That means they're students of the word. They're, they're people who are learning. They're, they're giving themselves to learning. And so he, you know, it's not like he's just really walking up to any person, although I think Paul would have done the same thing. But he says to them, have you guys received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He's excited. He's, he's talking about every, telling everybody about the Holy Ghost. He wants to talk about the Holy Ghost. Have you received the Holy Ghost since, since you believed? And they say, we don't, we don't know what you're talking about. Anybody ever had that response before? Holy what now? Holy Spirit? Is that, sometimes you say spirit because it's easier for people. Holy Ghost? We don't know what you're talking about. We, we, we haven't heard of this Holy Ghost. We don't know that there be any Holy Ghost. And he says unto them, well, how were you baptized? So now Paul is somewhat confused because he sees them. And he's like, I, I, they look maybe like their disciples. They look like people that have started a process in their life to learn about God and to do things of God. And of course, Paul knows that this revival is spreading you know, this Jesus name, powerful revival is spreading all over the place. And so he's like, oh, I guess I, I just maybe assumed you were baptized the way I was baptized. Then how were you baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. And then Paul understands. He gets it. As soon as they say unto John's baptism, he's like, oh, all right, that makes sense to me. Because John barely baptized with the baptism of repentance. Yeah. That's what he did. But, but what else did he say? Well, that they should believe on him which should come after him. And who was that? Christ Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. See, there's more. That's what Paul says. You see, there's, there's more. What you've done is awesome. The steps you've taken were great. You stood on the side of that river and you, you listened to old John the Baptist? You listened to that man in the wilderness out there looking like a wild man standing on the river screaming, repent, repent, repent? You actually responded to that? They said, yeah, that's awesome. You, you responded? You had faith enough to get down in that river and be baptized by John? Yeah, that's awesome. 
But what did John say? Well, didn't he say something about Jesus? Didn't he say there was one coming after him that was greater than him? Didn't he say that this Jesus was going to bring something new? Oh, hallelujah. They were believers, but they had only encountered John the Baptist. They were believers, but they had not yet heard the full message of Jesus Christ. Paul recognized that they were believers, but he did not leave them once they said yes. He said, how have you received the Holy Ghost yet? Oh, hallelujah. John the Baptist did not mislead them or seek to confuse them. He was the forerunner of Christ. He was doing what his job was. He was directly anointed by God, ordained by God to be a forerunner of Christ, and he did exactly what he was supposed to do. But when Christ came, greater revelation came with him. That's why we're not standing up here today preaching uh, in the name of John the Baptist and we're not laying hands on people in the name of John the Baptist and we're not declaring you can be saved by John the Baptist. No, uh, Jesus, hallelujah, is the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Oh, hallelujah, they had been baptized but greater revelation came and then they were repentant, but they didn't know that there was something that was supposed to come next. But Paul did know. The transformed terrorists knew what needed to happen. Oh, hallelujah. He says, it's awesome that you are believers, but it's time for more. And when they heard this, Acts 19, 5 and 6, and when they heard this, Revelation, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. They were baptized again. They were baptized with the greater revelation. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And so they were repentant, and that's good. They were believers, and they had been baptized under repentance, which means they were repentant for their sins, and that's absolutely necessary. But then they got the next revelation of being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins and they receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and I've come to tell every believer in the house that if it was for them in Ephesus it's for us right here today if it was for those believers it's for these believers if you believe you also should receive oh hallelujah it's still true today it may be for some that are in this place this morning you consider yourself a believer and you are a believer. If someone asked you if you believe in Jesus, you would say yes. And that's awesome because faith must come first. And that's what that is. It's faith that he is. He is. But I preached last week that he isn't just is. He's also a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if faith is all I need then what is this diligently seeking part about? If I already believe that he is, what do I need to seek for more? 
What do I need to be rewarded for more? You're a believer, that's awesome. But if you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you say, well, preacher, I've been baptized. That's awesome. But have you been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? Oh, hallelujah. Paul does not make it unclear. He makes it clear. It's not confusing. It's very clear. He says, you've been baptized once before, but now greater revelation has come, and you need to be baptized again, and you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. And everybody, all of the disciples, all of the apostles, and Paul, they all knew that Jesus said in Matthew 28, baptizing in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Ghost. Every one of those great disciples and people who wrote much of this Bible, they knew Jesus said that, and yet every one of them goes out and baptizes people, not in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, but in the name of Jesus because Jesus is the name of the Father and Jesus is the name of the Son and Jesus is the name of the Holy Ghost because there is not three gods in heaven. There is one that sits upon the throne and when you say Jesus, you get the fullness of the Godhead. You get all in all. Oh, I wish you'd clap your hands unto the Lord somebody. And so, yes, this preacher is asking you if you were baptized some other way, then you should consider getting rebaptized. And no, that's not weird because we just read about it in the scripture. And no, it's not just for, well, those, you know, sinner people because it was believers. Believers. They already believed, they just saw that there was greater revelation. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. We, we rebaptize people all the time around here. People come up. I've, I've had people come up to me and, and I've said, have you ever been baptized? And I've been, like, I've been baptized like four times. <laughs> and they think I'm going to have some sort of like negative response to that. And I say, that's awesome. You know what that tells me? That tells me there's such something within them that's searching for greater revelation. That means they didn't just do it one time. They didn't just, their parents just didn't tell them, well, we had you sprinkled as a child. And they said, well, that's good enough for me. I'll live the rest of my life based upon that. No, that means there's something inside of them that is hungry for new and greater revelation. Not new and greater outside of the book, new and greater inside the book. I'm not preaching a message to you today that I made up myself. I, pre- I read the scriptures to you and you heard them with your own hearing. Uh, it was Jesus and John and Paul and all of the people we know and love that told us this thing. And I love telling people, well, if you were baptized that way as a baby or baptized that way as a kid or baptized that way as a teen or even an adult in that church or this, uh, if they didn't do it uh, in the name of Jesus, uh, you ought to thank God for every step of faith you've ever taken in your life, but you ought to now take a another step of faith and do it completely and totally the way the Bible tells us to do it. You don't have to feel bad about that. You don't have to feel bad about that. Amen. I just got done telling you that we get excited about people who come out of some of the darkest and and, and most just, just sinful lives. We get super excited about that. We also get excited about people who have been connected to Christianity their whole life. 
And they've just been making steps. Amen. Amen. We are aware that there's not 50 apostolic Pentecostal churches in the greater Mankato area. Amen. We are aware of that. We are aware that people could have lived in this region, could have lived in this region for the last 40 years and never even heard about this. So we're not acting as if somehow you really just messed up bad. If you got baptized some other way because you were trying to get closer to the Lord. No. We're excited that there's another person who has a hunger inside of them that says, if Jesus has more, I want more. If he's got more for me, I want everything he has for me. If there's more for, oh, I'm, talk, I'm talking to someone in this house tonight. Hey, man, you can be baptized before you leave this place today. And you can have it the Bible way. You can be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. Why? Because it's in the Word. And it's for you. And it's for me. One of the last things Jesus said before his ascension in Acts 1-5, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence, Jesus said that, Acts 1-8, ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, Jesus said, and ye shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. He told them to wait for this power in Jerusalem. You will be endued with power from on high. Jesus said that in Acts 2, 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Oh, I believe the wind is blowing. I said, I believe there's a wind blowing over the earth. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them. And they were all, somebody say all. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit, capital S, as God, gave them the utterance. Nobody taught them how to do it. They didn't learn how to do it. They didn't mimic someone else doing it. They were in a prayer meeting seeking God with hunger in their heart, and the Spirit of the Lord fell upon them. And when it did, it fell upon all of them, everyone who was in the room, who was hungry, who was seeking God. The Bible says they were in one mind and one accord. They were together in their desire for more, for greater, for what Jesus said was going to happen. If he said it, I believe it. If he said, I'm going to receive it, I want to receive it. I believe, but I also want to receive. And they were all filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and they knew they were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost because some miraculous thing happened. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the ability to do so. And if that sounds crazy to you, join the club. The longer you're in this thing, the more you realize that God is smart. And he knows that humanity has to have an experience that they cannot explain. Or else they'll let the devil take it away from them. They'll let their unbelieving friends take it away from them. They'll let some false preacher take it away from them. But if he gives them an experience that is something beyond their ability and something they can't explain, if he takes control of this most unruly member of the body, as the Bible declares of our tongue, and they begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives them the utterance, uh, there ain't a devil in hell that can take that experience away from you. Oh, hallelujah. 
Now, when they heard this, the Bible says that they, they at Pentecost, the Spirit of God was poured out in the upper room, but then the upper room, they went down into the streets and people gathered around and they heard him speaking in tongues in Acts 2.37. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. After they were speaking in tongues, people were confused, and Peter stands up with the 11, and they be, he begins to preach, and he begins to preach a powerful message, and he preaches Jesus, whom now crucifieth, he says. God has made both Lord and Christ. He is risen from the grave. He is our Christ. He is our Messiah. You missed it. You missed it, but that doesn't mean it's over. Oh, hallelujah. A lot of people missed it the first time, but it wasn't over. And he said, they, they preached Jesus, and they said, what, do we, what are we supposed to do with what we just heard? What shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He said, well, aren't they believers already? I mean, look, they're there, they're interested, they're listening to the message, they have faith enough to stick around. They're believers, yes. But belief is just part of it. Now I have to receive. And they needed revelation of what they were supposed to receive. And they got that revelation that day. And it says that with many other words that he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. And then they that gladly received his word were baptized. They didn't just hear it and say, I believe that. They heard it and they did something about what they heard. They believed and then they received. They were baptized and they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they were still, oh, hallelujah. Somebody say Amen. They were still being baptized in water, but now they were being baptized in water in the name of Jesus, and they were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that can happen in this place today. It can happen in this place today. Now, but before I close, before we move on, let's go back to Acts 19. 11 and 12, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. This Jesus name baptized, Holy Ghost filled believer is being mightily used of God. But others, others thought that they could have what he had and do what he did without being baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 19, then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus. They said, well, you know, we, we want to we wanna, we wanna do this. That looks pretty cool. I mean, this Paul guy, they're, just, they're taking cloths that he's, that from his body, things that he's prayed over, they're taking and people are being delivered we, we want to do that. People seem to like him. We want to do that. And so they start going up to people who are demon-possessed and trying to use the name of Jesus. We adjure you by Jesus 
whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of Siva, a Jew and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know. And Paul, I, I'm very aware of him too. But the spirit, the evil demonic spirit said, I don't know who you are. And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped, was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. I need you to understand something today. When we are baptized, we go down in that watery grave of baptism, completely immersed, and we come up with the name of Jesus on us. This isn't just ceremonial. This isn't just the way we do it in our religion. This is what the Bible says to do. And when you do it the Bible way, you get the name of Jesus all over you. And you better believe every devil in hell can see the name of Jesus on your life. And when we're filled with the Holy Ghost, we have the power of God in us. He told them, I have been with you, but I shall be in you. The power of the Holy Ghost walking around in these earthen vessels. And you better believe that every devil in hell knows when a Holy Ghost, Jesus name believer is in the room. But what this teaches us is they don't have any clue who you are if you don't have the name of Jesus and you're not filled with the Holy Ghost. Even the devil says, I'm very aware of who Jesus is. And we are very aware of who Paul is but we don't have a clue who you are. And they attacked the man and they beat up the man and they stripped the man of his clothes and he goes running down the street wounded and naked. And you say, why in the world would that be put in the Bible? It's put in the Bible so a preacher could stand up in a pulpit and declare, you must be born again of the water and of the spirit. If you want to do something real for God, you better get the name on your life. If you want to do something real for God, you better get the Holy Ghost down inside of you. If you want to change the world, you got to believe and receive. Oh, hallelujah. And they realized those seven sons of Siva had a testimony after that day. They realized that you need the real thing. Oh, hallelujah. You need the real thing. It matters. It matters. It's not semantics. It's not just one religion's view and another religion's view. You put it to the test and you're going to hope you got the real thing. You say, well, that, that must have caused some issues. Actually, it, it didn't hurt the work of God in Ephesus at, all, Ephesus at all. It actually helped. It actually helped what Paul was trying to accomplish in Ephesus. Because Paul was like, well, there you go. Those guys running. Everyone look. See that? You don't want to do that. See that? 
That's what happens when you just believe, but you haven't received. And you think that you can operate in something you've never experienced and declare something that you don't know. You don't want that. And the Bible says, not only did Ephesus not get hurt by this activity, but it said in verse 20, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Oh, hallelujah. There is no other idea, no other religion, no other ideology. There is no other, uh, what, there is no other thing, no other word outside of God's word that is ever going to overtake God's word. It causes confusion and it gets people going down paths that they realize they shouldn't have gone down and thinking things that maybe weren't true and it can do a lot of stuff but it's never going to overtake the word of God. It's never going to overpower. Even the people who operated in the sorcery and the magicians of the day and the wicked witchcraft of the day, the Bible says they all started bringing their, their books of sorcery and their stuff and they started getting rid of them all. We don't want anything to do with this anymore. <laughs> Why? Because seven sons of Siva tried something and it didn't work? No, because Paul, because Paul said, that doesn't work, but let me tell you what does work. You must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. You gotta be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Even after you have faith and believe, you have to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Stand with me today, if you would, please. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Today there are people in this house that have never been baptized at all. And I would encourage you to strongly consider talking to, talking to Jesus about being baptized before you leave this place. We have a baptismal tank over here full of water. It's just there because that's that's, we wanted to get it as close to you as possible. <laughs> we've got towels and we've got clothing and we've got everything you need to change into. We don't have a hairstylist in the house, but you'll be okay. You'll be all right. But you've never been baptized before. And there's something inside of you today that's saying, I, I believe I'm a believer, but I need to, I need more. And I, I'm feeling like there's more. And there are some here today that have been baptized in other ways. And you've taken other steps trying to get close to God. But you heard today from the word of God itself that you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And there's something inside of you saying, I, I, I want that. I want to do that. I want to do that. I'm not worried about how I've been before and how many times and in what church. I'm not worried about any of that. Nobody cares about any of that. I, I just want this greater revelation of Scripture to be applied into my life. I want what I just heard the Bible say. I want to receive that. And if you've done that, but you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues as God gives you the ability to do that, I would encourage you when we come forward to come up 
If you haven't repented, you need to repent. If it's been a while, repent. Repent all the time. Just repent. Amen. But repent and then begin to worship God. You don't have to beg Him for the Holy Ghost. You don't have to plead Him to be filled with His Spirit. He said, it's a gift that I'm going to give to you. Whosoever will, let Him come. In the name of Jesus, just for a moment, stay right where you are. Close your eyes and begin to pray. I'm going to invite us to come forward in just a second, but I need, I need a spirit of prayer to come into this house today. We had a great spirit of worship earlier, but now we need a great spirit of prayer. I need every person in this place to begin to lift up your voice and begin to pray. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.